0: hey everybody welcome to episode 9 of the jonah saller show i am your host jonah saller glad you could join me today Um, for those of you who don't know me i am an entrepreneur owner of frontline strength and this podcast is dedicated to helping you get stronger in your spiritual strength Um, today i really want to focus it's that time of year the holidays are upon us and most importantly christmas right christmas is the big holiday we celebrate it in America. We set up trees. We do a lot of different decorations and all sorts of different things. But in American culture specifically, we've really blurred the lines of what Christmas is actually all about. And I really want to make a podcast dedicated to the true meaning of Christmas. Why we celebrate. Why we celebrate Christmas, and why it's so important that we get this right. So I I listen to sometimes secular Christmas radio stations and um. When they call, when people call in, sometimes they'll ask them, you know, why Why is the, the Christmas season so important to you? Or as nowadays political correctness likes to say, uh, the holiday season, because we don't like to mention Christmas, the word Christmas. Um, but they'll have callers call in and tell them why they like Christmas. A lot of people will say, oh, because you spend time with family. Oh, because you get to give gifts to people. Or, oh, you know, the, the snow and the lights or the decorations, the trees. And a lot of people mention different things that are all good, all great, but forget a very, very important element, and that is the birth of Christ. But what I want to do with this episode is really talk about why the birth of Christ is so important and why it's not his birth that is the real reason to celebrate Christmas, but ultimately his death. Um, So... Let's start there, right? His birth is amazing, but if we stop there, we miss out on the real true meaning of Christmas, the real true joy, which is that Jesus Christ was born for the forgiveness of us, our sins, for all time, once for all, and through him, and through him alone, we have been made right with God if we are in Christ Jesus. So, what I want to do is I want to start by reading Isaiah 53. Uh, this is an incredible passage from the Old Testament that was written long before Jesus was born um, that prophesied uh, the coming of, of the Christ and describes his life to a T. And this is such a powerful scripture, especially because it was written before Christ. So it's, it's something that really confirms the identity of Christ, the identity of who he was, The identity of why he came. And I think it's just a powerful passage. And so I just want to start off by reading it. So Isaiah 53, I'm reading from the English standard version. version. Um, If you have a different version, you're welcome to read along with me. But starting in verse one, it says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground, When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By the knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he was poured out his soul to death and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Wow. What an incredibly powerful passage that is. Um is. I'll be honest, I, I have not read Isaiah 53 for quite some time, and uh, reading it again recently has just been an incredible thing for me to to literally see a prophet before jesus time laying out the life of christ in such a clear distinct way and really this is what makes this passage so special especially around the christmas season is that because this was before christ was born this was an arrow pointing to him pointing to the birth of christ as messiah and it's just such an incredible truth to read that and go, wow, this is, this is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, being described right here. Um, I also want to go to Hebrews 10, and this is where we're going to spend a decent amount of the podcast. Because ultimately, Hebrews is talking to the Jewish people and really explaining the uh, law-based uh, system with the new covenant and really contrasting the two talking about, you know, Moses contrasted with Jesus talking about the law contrasted with the new covenant of grace. And it's a really powerful book. Um, And specifically chapter 10 really lays home. What I honestly think this is the focus and the crux of the Christmas story. Uh, When we think about baby Jesus in the manger, this is ultimately why that birth was so important why it was so special and why every single Christmas we need to make sure that we really are focused on the actual meaning and not get lost in the hubbub that the world will throw at us with you know Santa and gifts and trees and decorations and traditions and awesome those are all good things and the lord wants us to definitely delight in in those things spending time with family all of that but we cannot forsake how important this story is because it's not, it's not just Jesus being born, but this is the gospel message of our salvation, our our reconciliation with God being played out right before our very eyes. So starting in verse one of Hebrews chapter 10 says, for since the law has, but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered each year, make perfect to those who draw near. So I'm going to stop there and just kind of talk about that because I think it's really important to recognize that the law, which was established by Moses through God, of course, um, was basically a way to point out sin. It was a way to reveal sin and a way to show a standard that God had for his people. And through this sacrificial system of, of sacrificing animals on the Day of Atonement and stuff, this was a temporary way to basically get right before God, right? Um, but what's crazy is that it says it can never, even though the sacrifices are continually offered each year, make perfect those who draw near. So drawing near to the law, drawing near to the the rules, the regulations, that will never perfect Um Next it says, otherwise would they have not ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Now this is also really, really cool, because literally it's saying, you can offer every single year, constantly. But you shouldn't have any consciousness of sins if it's truly taken your sins away if it's truly been cleansed. But the sacrifices, the sacrifices that you're doing each and every year are a reminder to you of just how sinful and how far from God you actually are. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Listen to this, the contrast in verse five. Consequently, when Christ came into the world he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, and it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When you when he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in the sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these offerings are, are, were offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that way, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is just incredible. And, and honestly, this next part starting in verse 11 is my, my favorite part of the passage. Every priest stands daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins think about that right your high priest you'd go in you'd be sinful you'd be trying to Get right with God for for uh, 365 days before you do it again. And the priest is standing daily, every single day. He's standing. He's constantly working. He's offering the same sacrifices over and over and over, praying, Lord, forgive him, Lord, forgive him, over and over and over. And yet, nothing that he does has the power to take away sins. Nothing. He's standing all the time, no rest, but can't take away sins. Listen to this next verse. But when Christ had offered for all time, all time, I love that, all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down. He's not standing up, he's sitting down. He did it once, and then he sat down. So, what I want to know, and what I want to challenge you to believe and to understand is are you daily standing? Are you daily standing up, offering, Lord, forgive me, God, forgive me, Lord, I'm such a sinner? Or are you resting in Christ's one time offering and sitting down with him, resting in him, recognizing that he said it is finished and understanding that it is actually finished? What are you doing? Are you standing daily at your service, offering sacrifices? Obviously not animal sacrifices, but sacrifices maybe through your words, through feeling inside that you're that you're not good enough, through feeling like you're not performing well enough. Or are you, just like Christ has afforded you the ability to do, are you sitting down with him, realizing, wow, there's nothing I can do to add to this? I think it's a good question to ask ourselves because I think The Christian faith can easily become a measuring stick where you're trying to measure. Am I doing enough? Am I being enough? And we can can look at that and it can take our eyes off of the fact that Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. In verse 14 it says, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Single offering, meaning it happened once. And in that once, you have been perfected. Perfected being past tense. And sanctification being referred to in an ongoing process. Because you're sanctified. There's two different types, right? So you're sanctified in the sense that you have been made perfect. It's a done deal. Can't get any holier. Can't get any more righteous. Can't get any closer to God. That's done. That's been done. And then there's progressive sanctification where our experience of who we are in Christ will grow as we grow as Christians, right? Because let's face it, when you die to sin, when when that old part of you dies, there's still a process of rewiring yourself, right? Because there's lots of old patterns and old ways of thinking that just stay around because of the flesh. And so that takes time. But if we're in faith and we're in Christ, uh, those things are going to change. They're going to happen based on the fact that The single offering that we've put our faith in has perfected us for all time. Um, And then I love this. The next is the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we don't really uh, think too much about the Holy Spirit actually living within us. But this is the Spirit that lives within us. It says, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. That's amazing. So here's this break between old and new. And it does not start With the birth of Jesus Christ, this new covenant does not come in when Jesus is born. There's a passage in scripture, I don't have it pulled up right now, but there's a passage in scripture that says, Christ Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary under the law. So Jesus himself, born Jewish, was under the law. He followed the law to a T, he fulfilled the law to a T, he was perfect under the law, but just because our Bibles say New Testament, right before Matthew, doesn't actually mean that's when it actually started. It started when Jesus died. And that's what makes Christmas so amazing, is it's not that there was a miraculous happening and transformation right when he was born, but it was at his death. And what his birth does is it points towards his mission to make us right with God. And if he had not been born in the way that he was born, it wouldn't have happened and yet god in his sovereign will in his in his great grace and mercy conceived jesus through mary and jesus was born in a manger born raised and what an incredible ministry he had I, I, I'm mesmerized studying the texts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and seeing Jesus's life, seeing how he lived, seeing the things he said, the teachings that he spoke. I'm just in awe. Um, but I, I think it's so cool to, to see the parallel between the old system, the new system, the old covenant, the new covenant, law versus grace. And I think it's really, really cool when you see in Hebrews, and man, I challenge you all, read Hebrews, really, really read Hebrews and study it. I, I think it's an amazing book that really shows the the contrast between the two and what Jesus really did accomplish and what he afforded us. The law is described as a shadow in, in uh, verse one of chapter 10 of Hebrews. It's described as a shadow because ultimately when we look to it, when we look to it as somehow forgiving us of our sins, we're looking to a shadow, something that was there to, to paint a picture, but was not actually there to cleanse us. The, the law is like a mirror, right? It shows you what's wrong with you. Uh, the analogy I gave some kids that I was teaching a little bit ago, as I said, when you look into a mirror in the morning, why why do you do it? And some of them were like, well, to see what you look like. And I said, exactly, right? And sometimes in the morning, we we don't look that great, do we? We sometimes have messy hair. Maybe we got some food in our teeth from the night before. Who knows? I mean, hopefully you don't have food in your teeth. Hopefully you brush your teeth at night. But (laughs) some of us maybe forget once in a while. Uh, Not pointing any fingers here. Um, But again, the mirror shows us, hey, you've got messed up hair. You better get that fixed before before you go to work but does the mirror actually reach out and comb our hair and fix us no all the mirror does is it shows you it shows you something and the law is no different the law shows you that you have sin in your life and that you are utterly hopeless to overcome that sin on your own and it's a constant reminder of your own inability to measure up In the same way that we have speed limits on the roads, right? Have you ever met somebody that follows speed limits perfectly 100% of the time? No, I've never met anybody like that. Because it shows you, hey, 45, don't you dare go a second over 45. And yet, let's see somebody who doesn't go at least 46 miles an hour down the street. The law is there to reveal a problem, but it doesn't actually fix the problem because the problem is us and the law is not able to fix us jesus is the anecdote he is the great physician who has come and said i am here to fulfill the law and through the law through his fulfillment of the law through his death his resurrection his perfect life we have an opportunity now to become partakers of the divine nature to take hold of of him and say jesus I am a sinner, and without you, I am absolutely, utterly lost. There is no way that I can look at this law and carry out everything perfectly. When Moses gave the Jewish people the law, they said, Okay, we will do everything that it says. And yet we know the story. We know that they didn't. We know that they messed up over and over and over. And we know and we see God, even then, even then, extending his hand of grace and offering them chance after chance after chance. He provided provision for his people even when they disobeyed him. And in the same way, he provides provision for us even though we disobey him. It's amazing to me that jesus died and in that one moment everything the old system sacrificing animals priests standing daily doing their tasks it was finished once for all and then he sat down at the right hand of god and it says that if we are in christ we have been crucified buried and resurrected with him and seated in the heavenly places Seated, not standing in the heavenly places, seated in the heavenly places with him. So what are you doing right now? If you're in Christ, are you standing? Are you working? Are you trying your best to be a good Christian? Are you looking for the next 10 steps to becoming a better Christian? Or are you sitting with Christ, in Christ, and allowing the Holy Spirit which dwells in you which has put the laws on our hearts and written them on our minds, are you allowing the truth that he will remember our sins and our lawless deeds no more to transform you? Because when you focus on what you're not doing, on when you focus on your sin, really what you're doing is the same thing that the Jewish people were doing. Going back to verse 2, Otherwise they would have not ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having been once cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. Verse 3, But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year. That's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid reminder of sins. And when we remind ourselves of our sins, we're overriding what God says about them. And he says he remembers them no more. Do we struggle? Yes, because the flesh is a very real enemy, and sin is crouching at our doorstep waiting to attack us. But the most important and the most beautiful truth of this gospel is that we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us to defeat sin, to reject sin, And even when we fail, even when we stumble, it doesn't for a second interfere with our security in God. He doesn't say, I'll remember your sins and your evil deeds no more, unless you of course sin this many times. No, he doesn't say that. It's a once for all sacrifice that covers and perfects us for all time. This is the truth of the gospel. That even when we were sinners, Christ died. And that through him, we are no longer sinners, but we are saints. His birth points to his death. All of the Old Testament, all of the prophets were all paving the way and pointing towards the Messiah, the coming of a Messiah. Everybody was waiting for Jesus to come. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They knew, he knew. And yet today, we have so many people in the Jewish faith who don't know that the Messiah has already come. We have many people in the world today that are indifferent to the coming of Jesus Christ. And in the midst of a holiday season where we can get so easily distracted by very superficial things, we need to point people to Jesus Christ. Because what he has done for us is something that cannot be accomplished any other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God in human flesh, bearing the sins of all of us for all time so that we could be made right with God and never have to question whether or not we are eternally secure. This is the message of Christmas. Not that there was a baby born in a manger, but that there was a Savior born to die. There was a Savior born to die. Because he loved us. That was Jesus' mission. That is why he came. And he accomplished his mission. And death did not hold him down. He was resurrected. And we wait eagerly for his return. So this Christmas season, as we enjoy decorating, as we enjoy family, as we enjoy friends, as we enjoy gifts, giving and receiving. Let's not forget the true meaning of Christmas. That some 2,000 years ago, a little baby in a manger was born to ultimately grow, preach to the world their inability to get to God and point towards himself as the only way that they could. Then that baby died, that baby was buried, and three days later that baby rose again. Although he wasn't a baby, he was a man by that point, but you get the picture. All this to say, the true meaning of Christmas is Jesus Christ. The true meaning of life is Jesus Christ. And the true meaning of strength is Jesus Christ. It starts and ends with him. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And that's the message I want to promote here at Frontline Strength if we are not grounded in him, if we are not renewing our minds daily with the truth that he is the only way that we are easily going to go astray and give into the flesh. And when you're walking in the flesh, when you're living in the flesh, it takes so much away from the joy that you could have in life. But when we are constantly saying, Jesus, you are so good. Jesus, I am new because of you and I am one with your spirit now. That is how we're going to overcome sin. That is how we're going to live the most fulfilled life. And it all starts with the story of Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I know it's rather simplistic. I know there wasn't a whole lot of maybe new information that, that you gathered from it. But overall, what I really hope is that through this podcast, it was maybe able to just center your thoughts a little bit more. To put aside some of the stuff that may be distracting, and to focus on the real true meaning of Christmas, which is our birth the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So until next time, have a very Merry Christmas, and God bless you.